Welcome to the show today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, this is the episode that many of you have been waiting for. I know I get messages from you guys all the time in comments on, uh, Seth, you need to talk about vaccines. You need to talk about fetal tissue research that's being done to create vaccines. Uh, you need to talk about this moral dilemma. How do we think about it as Christians? What about the aborted cell lines? Are these immortal? Are they killing new babies to do this? I know many of you guys have asked these questions for a long time. And in the Protestant evangelical um, circles uh, and community in America, there's a lot of ignorance on this topic. In fact, there's a lot of support for some of these abortion-tainted vaccines that so many of our Christian brothers and sisters are just so woefully ignorant on. And so I bought on today Dr. Stacy Trasenkos, um, who's really uh, established herself as an expert in this field. She's a scientist, theologian, and mother. So how's that for a trifecta? She has a doctorate in chemistry from Penn State University and a master's in dogmatic theology from Holy Apostles College and Seminary. She has seven children and six grandchildren and has worked as a chemist for DuPont before converting to Catholicism and radically restructuring her life. She left her career for quite a while to stay home for, for her kids and from there became a writer and educator. And she's now the executive director of Bishop Strickland's St. Philip Institute in Tyler, Texas. She also teaches online theology courses for Seton Hall University and is a fellow of the Word on Fire Institute. And she's also the chief research officer at Children of God for Life, which fights to end the use of aborted children in scientific research in manufacturing. Buckle up, you guys. You're in for a treat. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Dr. Trasenkos, welcome to the show today. Hello. Thanks for having me on, Seth. It's great to have a chance to talk about these terrible things, make yeah. sure people know more about them. Yeah, amen. Um, I became aware of you recently in a webinar you did with the St. Philip Institute and Children of God for Life on the COVID vaccine, its relation to um, abortion, its relation to fetal tissue research. And it was very informative, very helpful. And I just couldn't wait to get you on to help educate so many of our viewers and listeners um, who tune into the show because they're concerned pro-life individuals. Most of them are people of faith and they want to be able to contend for life in the public square. And so you're, you're what many in the culture of death um, Dr. Trisankos would call a walking uh, contradiction, right? You can't yeah. be religious or a Christian and be a scientist. I mean, don't you know science proves that the material world is all there is. So what, what do you say to those critics or to Christians uh, who don't know how to balance science with their faith? Well, I, I mean, materialism or scientism or whatever we call it now, um, I, I certainly didn't call it that at the time, but it was never just a philosophical idea for me. I lived it. I, I literally forced myself into a lifestyle for over a decade of my adult life, um, really thinking that there's nothing but the physical world. There's nothing but atoms and molecules, and which it compels you to view your fellow human beings, including your own children as highly complex collections of atoms and molecules. And right, it messes right. up the way you form relationships. You, mm. you can't function as a human being when you think of things that way. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and so much of the culture of death today um, really just operates on the ancient heresy of Gnostic dualism, of yeah. body self-dualism, which says the real you is just your body. You're just, uh, uh, you're just cosmic sludge, and there's no dignity attached to the individual. And so I, I so appreciate the synthesis that you're doing in creating those and, and, and encouraging people that we are both body and soul. And I, I found your website, Children of God for Life, to be incredibly helpful and educational 
Can you share with our listeners a little more about what Children of God for Life is and what your guys' mission is? Yes. Um, so it's it belongs to my husband now, um, and I, you know, it, it's it's a story of providence how that came to be. Children of God for Life was founded by Mrs. Debbie Vintage, another mother who was concerned about the use of uh, aborted children in the production of vaccines. Um, she started this 20 years ago, um, but when all of this COVID-19 stuff started happening and when Bishop Strickland, the, the founder of the St. Philip Institute, where I work, um, when he heard about it, he got very vocal. And so I put him and Debbie together so they could talk and it turned out Debbie was ready to retire. And she said, I just feel like this is the Holy Spirit. Um, I really want Children of God for Life to move to Tyler. Will you take it? Well, I couldn't take it because I'm already busy at the Institute. Um, and it went kind of through me to my husband who was retired. And now he's not retired. <laughs> um, now he's devoted. He sits at the kitchen table every day and answers emails and talks on the phone to people who are just now waking up to this issue and who are mad and want to do something about it. So all glory to God for um, making this, putting all those things in place, because I never would have seen any of this yeah. coming. <laughs> yeah, praise God. And, and Debbie's done some incredible work. I'm, I'm yes. sure countless hours. So Children of God for Life is an incredible resource for those of you guys looking for more facts and information in regards to this issue. Before we jump into those facts um, and the debate over fetal tissue research and vaccines, I just want our listeners to get a good overview um, and history, if you will, of, the, of medical research involving human fetuses. Because a lot of people think, especially my generation, that this is more recent. Um, but aborted children being used in biomedical research is documented as far back as the 1930s. Yes. Could you give us a historical primer on how the culture of death has been using aborted children specifically in order to perform research? Yes, I can. I, I mean, that I, when I found out about it happening, I'm like, what, when did this start? Um, and it, it started before abortion was even legal in our country. Um, the, you know, in the thirties, it, it really took off though in the seventies when abortion did become legal, that sort of right. changed the whole game for them. Um, but the reasoning is if, if there's a child that's going to be aborted, if there's a human body that's going to be aborted, that, um, is just going to be incinerated or thrown away or discarded, it's more ethical according to those bioethicists to put that body to good use. Um, instead of throwing it away. And, um, you know, the, Paul Ramsey wrote a book called uh, Just Fetal Tissue, The Ethics of Fetal Tissue Research back in the 70s because he was a man, about, he was a bioethicist. He saw where this was going and he was already asking questions like, if it's okay to use the body of an aborted child in research and you can get a better experiment by having a live body and that child's already marked for death, then why not do research in utero when a woman's gonna have an abortion? Why wow. not deliver the baby alive and use the baby for a while before aborting it? Why not deliver the baby and have it grow up for a long time knowing that it's marked for death and is just a mere um, experimentation? Wow. He was asking those questions and, and we're it's happening now, like it's, they're getting bolder with this research. Um, so uh, unfortunately, a lot of people are just waking up to it, but it's something that's been around for a long time. And there have been experiments in the scientific literature 
uh, back in the 30s and the 70s where they did deliver babies alive and they say so. They deliver the baby by either like a C-section or an induced delivery. They deliver it alive. They, uh, there's one experiment when they were researching um, how to make better infant formula for premature babies. They delivered the children alive, left them, the mother was unconscious, left them attached by the umbilical cord, injected amino acids into the umbilical cord and waited 10 minutes for the body to process those amino acids before killing the child and dissecting the organs to study. Oh. And they say in the paper, the heart was beating and limbs were moving the whole time. Wow. Yeah, and there's been some, some heinous experiments performed in the development of the polio vaccine as well, which I know you, you've discussed as well. And so this goes really back a long time. Um, so just for you guys tuning into the show, I just want you to be aware of this. This is actually not a new conversation or debate, um, but as Dr. Tresekos is saying, the culture of death is just getting a whole lot bolder. Um, and yet this was the same arguments that SS doctors made, wasn't it, uh, Dr. Stacey, was to say, well, listen, we didn't kill the Jews, right? We just, they were already dead. And so like, we just wanted to tinker around with their brains. Uh, yeah. might, as well, might as well make good use of it, right? Um, yeah. And yet there, there's hardly a medical journal anywhere today that will publish any of the results from the Nazi experiments um, simply because of the nature of the crimes involved. Um, and of course, the same moral ethics should be applied to abortion. Well, I want to talk about the, the development of the COVID-19 vaccine because this has really put this debate front and center again in the minds of so many Christians. So let me just ask the question that you get asked probably the most and that so many Christians don't have clarity on. Are any COVID-19 vaccines available that are not tested or produced using a cell line derived from an aborted child? No. For now, there are none available. There are none being distributed and produced that, that weren't tested, that didn't in some way depend on the use of a fetal cell line. And a fetal cell line is a cell line that's been growing. It was developed from a child that was aborted, um, but we have to understand in, in the experimentation and getting that one cell line, there were lots of other experiments that had to be done. Um, right. So it's really not just one child. Um, but uh, there are none, the, the HEK-293 cell line is one of the most commonly used cell lines in pharmaceutical manufacturing and research. And all of the COVID-19 vaccines available now did depend on the use of that cell line in some way, that cell okay. line or another one like it. And, you know, many people say that these are sort of immortal cell lines, but that doesn't seem to be correct. What happens if an aborted cell line um, is uh, too old to continue being useful? Um, what happens then in the ethical conversations of our high priests of scientism? Yes, they just have to make another one because they're not immortal cell lines. They, in the, they, they do die out at some point because they take these very young cells and the cells are able to multiply many, many times. So they, they grow the cells, they grow these cultures of the cells and sell them. Um, and they're like, they're like a medium in which to grow vaccines and other anything, anything that grows in a cell, you can grow them in these cells in a very controlled way. But at some point they stop reproducing. And my husband looked it up. There's like 1600 cell lines developed from aborted children available. It's just the wow. HEK-293 is one of the most popular ones because it's so stable and, wow. and so well, it's used in a lot of ways. So there's a lot, it's easy to make comparisons between experiments. Yeah, but in the, in the biological catalogs, there's, there's well over a thousand 
that are, wow. that are coming through. Wow. So they get developed all the time. You know, uh, Dr. Stacey, in, in many of the circles I run into, many even pro-life Christians will argue that taking vaccines developed from an aborted cell line is fine. It's morally acceptable because, you know, we're so far removed from the original aborted baby. And so your participation in the vaccine is not furthering the evil of abortion today, but it's only helping American citizens protect one another from viruses. Um, but is that true? Or are all vaccines today tested and developed from old aborted cell lines or are fresh abortions being used at all in any way? In the vet, so some vaccines don't depend on aborted fetal cell lines at all. Some vaccines right. are made completely ethically. Some are not. Um, and if with the COVID-19, it wasn't. Um, the time when we were supposed to be making a lot of noise saying, don't you do that, we're not going to use it, passed. And there wasn't a big enough outcry and they did it um, because they were in a hurry and that's a very common cell line. Um, so there, we're stuck with these vaccines now. Um, will there be one that's ethical? There will be if people keep protesting these enough. Unfortunately, I just, I honestly don't see that happening. Um, not anytime soon. Um, so that's where we are. But the church, the Catholic church does make a clarification. If it's grave, and that's where the debates happen. What is grave? What is grave enough? If you're in a situation where you have no other choice and you truly do need to use this vaccine and it's not your fault that you have no other choice. I talk to people on the phone all the time. My husband does much more than I do. People in tears because they're either going to have to lose their job or they won't be able to go see their grandchildren or they won't be able to take care of their elderly parents. They're either going to have to face that or they're going to have to accept this vaccine. And the Catholic Church has said, if you don't have any other choice, it's not inherently sinful to use the vaccine. It, it is morally justified to use it. But the part of the conversation that got left out was only if you have to. And if you do have to, you don't just shrug your shoulders and go on and say, well, it was morally permissible. I'm good. You're supposed to still fight the practice of using right. aborted children. And that's what we're trying to do at Children of God for Life. I'm I'm tired of talking about vaccines. I'm so like, ugh, with the vaccine conversation. Yeah. But, but you're supposed to still fight it. If you don't get the vaccine, you're supposed to still fight this in our culture. If you do get the vaccine, you're supposed to still fight this practice in our culture. And that's the part that didn't happen. Yeah. Well, it is because you're making, people like you are bringing awareness to it. Well, it's sort of a tragic result of the culture of death, right? A culture yeah. that tolerates the slaughter of the unborn, where very few take personal responsibility to make a big sound to end abortion. If they can't get themselves off the bench to end that, why would we think that they would be disturbed enough to end the experiments on those recently murdered children? Uh, so ideas have consequences and bad ideas have victims. Um, you wrote a great piece, uh, Dr. Trusenkos, at the end of 2020. Uh, regarding the University of Pittsburgh research, which uh, David Delighton in the Center for Medical Progress also um, helped, I guess, put a blowhorn to, where they were scalping, are scalping the heads of five-month-old aborted babies and grafting their scalps or lung tissue onto rats for yeah. use in vaccine, vaccine testing. So talk to us a little bit about how fresh, freshly murdered babies through abortion today are being used to create vaccines, just not in the development, but in the testing. 
Can you talk to us about that? Yeah, and the, the, so the so in the testing they're using them for some humanized mice, but there's a there's a bunch of different ways they make humanized. There's a bunch of different ways to humanize a mouse. Anytime you put some human cells or parts into it, um, so the the test the um, research at the University of Pittsburgh with the fetal scalps grafted onto rodents wasn't used for the COVID-19 vaccine. It was actually used to test something much less dangerous, um, the staph infections. They were just, I mean, they, they don't even have to have a, a very grave reason to do something like this. Researchers at the University of Pittsburgh, um, they, they published a scientific paper in November of 2020, where they said we, we were able to graft full thickness human skin onto a mouse and they were proud that they were able to grow the skin, have the graft take hold and that, that the whole thickness of the human skin down to the subcutaneous cutaneous layer stayed intact, meaning that they were able, they took some skin off the back of the aborted child and they took some skin off the head. The, they scalped the child and grafted it onto mice and the ones from the scalp they showed 10 weeks later growing hair. And so in the, what stopped me, because I, I look into this research all the time, and, and when I saw the paper, and it said full thickness right. human skin, uh, fetal skin on rodents, I'm like, I know what that's doing. But then I saw a full color picture of the graphs at different weeks. And wow. you can see this very soft, baby hair growing out like what the pictures are it's dark baby hair growing out of the the back of a mouse like a mouse that's got little short white hairs and you see this patch of baby hair growing out of the back of it and i remember the day I, it hit me what that is i said to my husband people have to see this yeah. and and I, I tweeted it and it went from there you know my what i told david delighton is you don't have to go undercover with cameras and risk million dollar lawsuits you just have to read what they write in their own scientific papers to know they're doing these things yeah it's all there yeah unreal um as you recall from uh very recently within the last two or three months uh, dr stacy judicial watch exposed that the fda has been purchasing late-term aborted babies who could have survived outside the womb if given care in a neonatal unit from advanced bioscience resources in Northern California, yeah. the same lab that was at kind of the middle of the controversy with the Center for Medical Progress back in 2015, and requesting these babies, quote, fresh and on ice. And the FDA has been purchasing these dead aborted babies getting them as fresh as possible. And some of what yeah. they're doing is some of the humanized mice stuff. It is some of the uh, vaccine testing on humanized lungs on mice. Yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit about that as well as what are the other ways that children are killed in order to be abused, even if it's not purely for vaccine creation? Yeah, no, you're right. That is, there was a huge NIH grant um, for the kind of humanized mice that you're talking about, where they uh, are taking out um, organs and using them to humanize, they were taking out, I forget what, the, I don't have it right in front of me, so I can't remember, but it was, you know, to study the respiratory tract. Um, yeah. they, were, they were using these mice that had the same cells. The, the mice didn't have the ACE protein, it's some protein in our immune cells that are in our respiratory tract 
that bind with the COVID-19 virus. Mice don't have that protein. So they were humanizing the mice and, and using the fetal tissue to uh, allow mice to be infected with COVID-19. And there was a huge NIH grant that funded that. So they would have lots of mice to do the studies on. There's that, um, but there's, there's a, I mean, there's stuff you read every day. One of the biggest programs going on right now, it's kind of like the genome project, which used aborted children, by the way. Um, wow. the, a newer one is called a fetal cell atlas. And um, it's not just one team of researchers, it's researchers all over the world trying to um, map out nucleic acid by nucleic acid, the entire genetic sequence in the cells of a child as it goes from a zygote to a fully formed human body. Because, you know, the zygote multiplies and then those cells differentiate and it becomes all the organ systems of a human body, a highly complex collection of atoms and molecules. Um, but they, they, what they, to do a fetal cell atlas in, three to, in two dimensions where you have to do time and space, you need the space of all the different organs at, over a trajectory of time. So they need thousands and thousands of aborted children to oh be gosh. able to take different organs at different times along the gestational period and subject them to something called single cell transcriptomics where they have these analytical machines that can determine the genetic sequence, wow. uh, the, the, the nucleic acid sequence and the DNA. So that, that is underway and it's just getting started. And it's a signal to us that they're going to be doing this kind of research right. much, much more in the future. And this research, one last thing I'll say about that, because I think it's important. This research is being done because they predict that by understanding how the genetics change over time during development, they'll be able to cure most pediatric deaths. Right. So we're not talking about COVID-19 and a vaccine. We're talking about a massive research program that will cure. They're using the unwanted dead children to find cures for the wanted living children. That's, right. That's, That's right. what it comes down to. Is, is this the same thing with the doctors in the last, it was, this, all, so much has happened in the first 100 days of the, the Biden administration, obviously the most pro-abortion, anti-life administration in American history, where the doctors were pushing to drop the 14-day limit on experimenting yeah. on babies in petri dishes to do it sounds like you're talking about ex to experiment with gene editing and mm -hmm. in, in order to perfect ourselves <laughs> in order to one could say uh live forever uh which goes right back to genesis 3 that uh god doth know in the day ye eat thereof then your eyes will be opened and ye shall be as gods um and this is what i i'm so thankful for your work and why i try to wake up christians who say they're pro-life but they say, you've heard this, right? We're not political, Dr. Stacy. We're just, we just preach the gospel. So, you know, thanks for what you do, but, you know, we don't do that in the church. Um, and what I try to wake people up to realizing is that this is not an alternative politics. This is an alternative religion um, yeah. Whose, yeah. whose greatest sacrament is human sacrifice. Um, but I think the abortion-tainted vaccines, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, have long revealed how the church has been more influenced by the liturgy of the culture of death than by a Christian liturgy and a Christian worldview. Um, because so many Christians either don't have a problem with the status quo of fetal tissue research, or worse yet, they actually defend it and, and, and then of how that has to do with these vaccines being created. But I always like to ask people, what if instead of aborted unborn babies, 
the federal government was purchasing the bodies of black Americans killed through yeah. gang violence or by white police officers, getting their cadavers as fresh as possible, and then mutilating them in order to create black humanized mice. Um, yeah. Do you think maybe BLM Incorporated or the Democratic Party might have a problem with that? Um, or would they just declare that science is leading us into the progressive future once again? Um, yeah. And so I think, I think that telling the stories about what's happening and blowing the whistle, which you guys do such a good job of doing, awakens people's moral intuitions. They're like, oh, this, this is disturbing. This is the wisdom of repugnance. There's something repugnant about that. Yeah, yeah because it's a human being. And if it's a human being, then they have intrinsic dignity. Um, so um, how can our listeners get more educated and involved um, to learn how to fight against this and to educate um, their friends and family members? Yeah, they, I, that's a question, Seth, that my husband and I ask, our, and Bishop Strickland too, ask ourselves every day, what do we do? Because it feels like if you just email a pharmaceutical company, you're not making a difference. If you just right. call a politician, you're not making a difference. If you stand on the street corner and hold a sign, you're not making a difference. If you say a prayer, you're not making a difference. But what makes a difference over time is that, I mean, our, our biggest recommendation is just never shut up. I mean, you've got to just keep talking about it and pounding the table and telling people this is happening. Because politics happens because of human beings. We have intellect and free will, and we make choices about the kind of culture we're going to live in. And right. on my watch, I'm not just going to sit back and say, whatever, I'm okay with it. I want my children to know whether, whether the world changes for the better or not. I want my children to know that their mom and dad fought this with everything they had when they were able yeah. to. I just, not on my watch, am I just going to be okay with this? Yeah, I can't yeah. be. Right. Amen. And what a lot of people don't understand, too, is that uh, fetal tissue research is actually a great gift to the abortion industry uh, because it, it creates a market for the evil means. Um, and it also communicates to abortion-minded women that there could be sort of a redemptive aspect to their abortion. Yes. And so if a woman's contemplating an abortion, hey, well, at least the, the priest of the culture of death will assure her, well, at least your baby will be used to help find vaccines and treatments for, for sick people. Um, and so, th so much of this just goes hand in hand with one another. Um, but how, how do you think, Dr. Stacey, pro-lifers should think through the moral questions at play here? So I get a lot of questions of people saying, I don't know if I should take this. Obviously, when you're talking about kids, if you're talking about really anyone under 50 or 60, I don't understand why anyone would take this quote-unquote vaccine, this mRNA, um, when you're probably fine unless you're morbidly obese or you have pre-existing conditions. Um, but a, lo a lot of families are just not aware of these realities. Um, many of them may be being pressured to take it in order to keep their job. So how should Christians think about the moral issues at play uh, taking a vaccine that was produced or tested with cell lines from a, from a murdered baby? If you don't have to take it, you shouldn't. And, and what that, I mean, because that even the, the Catholic Church is clear on that if there are grave situations, but I just haven't seen there to be a grave situation, especially not down here in Texas. Right. Um, and I, I know some people, their grave situation was they would lose their job. I know someone who, who has two small children and takes care of his elderly parents. Losing his job would have been a pretty big deal. Um, what, what the church says is, 
you have to form your conscience. Like you have to know all sides of the issue. And then you also have to look at your own life and practice prudence and pray and, and be guided by the Holy Spirit. What am I being called to do? Um, there's a very narrow way where you might have to accept that vaccine. But, you know, we when our kids were little, we accepted the MMR vaccine for them because we wanted to protect our children and we didn't have any other choice. And I weighed it. Do I protect my own child or do I take a stand? In the end, with tears running down my face, I let my child be vaccinated. But I said right then, that just made me matter. You know, I was madder then. I wasn't going to just shrug my shoulders and say whatever. I said, I'm going to make sure we, we don't, I'm going to make sure my kids don't have to sit here and face this same uh, question with their kids. And yeah. so we just kept fighting for the, for the next 15 years. Um, and I was really hoping COVID-19 would be the event that woke people up. Um, right. and, and I think it did a lot of people, but yeah. you know, that's kind of the, that's just like the picture of the world we're in right now. Yeah. Like it or not. <laughs> Yeah. Do you know anything about um, the the sort of the way that the this industry operates in any of their future goals? So if when some of these cell lines um, are not as effective and they have to find new cell lines, do, do you know any of the inner workings of how um, the, in, the sort of fetal tissue research industry and how it works with vaccines works? Like, are they going to be in a position where they need to justify or obtain a freshly aborted baby again? to start a brand new aborted cell line. How does all of this work exactly? Yeah, I, I mean, so here's the thing, Seth. In the scientific papers, they say enough that they can communicate to someone else what they did, but they fall, They sometimes they're bold, sometimes they're sneaky. In the sneaky circumstances, they say things like they extracted the organs in vivo um, which that means they butchered a live child, um, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and if you try to, if you try to pre press them on, like at the University of Pittsburgh, they had a researcher there who says he perfected the technique for extracting organs from aborted children and in perfecting the technique, he says they extracted the organs in vivo and that means in the living. Right. Um, and there are people now pressing cause in, in, in Pennsylvania, it's illegal to do that. It's illegal to do that to a child who's born alive. And um, so there's a, these questions are getting asked and you know, it, it could go to court. It could not go to court. It could not go to court and the judge could not rule that there, it was actually wrong because right. it depends on so many free wills at play there. But yeah, it still happens. And they're, they're working every day to figure out, I mean, if you're a scientist, and you're a materialist and you don't care about killing the babies in, in the womb, and you do care about having a successful scientific endeavor, research, experiment, production, development, you care about doing good science, what's the reason for not delivering the babies alive and using them alive? What's the reason? Like, why would that person care? Exactly, uh, yeah. And I, so I do suspect that it happens and I think we need to keep pressing on that issue. And if, you know, if they try to deny it, they know they're hiding something. If they just come right out and say, yeah, we do it, then come on, bring it, say it. Yeah. Let the that's public right. know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and many of the people who do these procedures, particularly at UCF, at, at Uni uh, University of California, San Francisco, mm -hmm. um, they use digoxin 
um, in order to, uh, to bring on cardiac arrest. But the problem yeah. with that is you spoil the tissue. And yes. you'll read in their papers, they complain about the spoiled tissue that they can no longer use for, for sort of proper organ harvesting. But their own literature admits that when you yes. don't use digoxin, you can result with born alive children in about 50% of those late-term abortions. And then, like you said, you're left to ask, so what happens with those babies after they're born alive? Um, well, they're probably killing them and dissecting them while they're alive. Um, so for you guys listening to this, listen, share this widely, because once you know, as, as, as Scripture says, as Proverbs say, you can no longer say you did not know. Um, and God's going to hold us accountable. Um, and if we pretend we don't know and turn a blind eye, um, we will be held accountable for that as well. As we wrap up, Dr. Stacey, um, can you just update us on any actions that are being taken um, or are trying to be taken, uh, probably only by Republicans, to eliminate the use of fetal cell lines in future vaccine developments? Um, right now, I, you know, I know my husband calls politicians. We have some very pro-life Republican politicians here in Texas. Um, yeah. He's talking to them. Some of them didn't even know about fetal tissue research. So there's a lot of education wow. going on right now. He's explaining that to certain representatives. Um, we're also talking to people within the church who are higher ranks, uh, who are also upset and wanting to know what to do and condemning these practices. Uh, it, it, it really is just an effort every day of talking to people, repeating the same things over again, telling people where to go, to look it up, to tell others, um, and to take their own stand and to vote differently when the time comes. Um, and it, and it feels it feels hopeless sometimes, but I, I don't think it is. I mean, things are going to happen. I think things I honestly think things are going to get worse um, before they ever get better, if they ever do. I mean, we're, the culture is comfortable with abortion. The culture is comfortable with using the aborted children. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, there's a whole set of things that lead up to abortion. I kind of look at it like two bubbles. There's a whole set of things that lead up to the decision to get an abortion and the pro-life community usually just works on that side of things. But there's a whole other industry being built up after abortion. Yeah. And what happens in that middle point, you know, is the baby, where's the baby, when is the baby killed? Um, that's getting really cloudy. And there, yeah. there's no reason why there's, there, we don't know what happens behind closed doors that doesn't yeah. get reported. I'll just yeah. leave it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the abortion industry is probably the most unregulated uh, yeah. medical industry in the entire world. Uh, well, Dr. Stacy, where can people um, connect with you? Do you have talks, uh, books, or online resources where people can learn more about this? Yeah, you can visit my, my um, well, my husband and I together, but I'm on the board, but he does all the work. <laughs> uh, Children of God for Life. Um, visit that. It's just C-O-G. F O R L I F E, COG for Life, Children of God for Life org, um, or you can just Google it. Um, I run the St. Philip Institute, which is Bishop Strickland's Institute in Tyler, Texas. He was very outspoken on this issue, so we have some resources there. Our institute is is mainly to teach the Catholic faith, so we do a lot more than just pro life yeah. issues. Um, but Children of God for Life is specifically about aborted children in research. It's a lot of vaccine stuff, but it's not just vaccine stuff. Okay. We're not anti-vaxxers. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, Dr. Stacy. We appreciate all, all that you're doing. Um, hope that many people support your work, learn from everything that you're doing, and, and finally make a change. And that starts with the church. And that's why we're so grateful for you getting the message out to believers, to the people who should be the front lines of holding government to account. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Keep up the good work. Well, thanks for joining me today, guys. Head on over to iTunes, YouTube, Spotify. Give this show a rating and review. Let us know what you think. It really helps us reach more people. Share this episode widely. We'll put all of the resources um, to Dr. Stacey Trisenko's Children of God for Life and the St. Philip Institute there for you to be, really dive into some of the literature, some of the proof, um, and some of the education you need to become um, educated on these topics. If you want to learn more and engage with me online, head on over to sethgruber.com, S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B as in baby boy, E-R.com, to sign up for my newsletter to stay informed to uh, see my speaking schedule if you want to hear me speak live and local um, or to book me for an event as my fall schedule is filling up fast and we want to get your uh, individuals, your youth, your church, your school woke to these realities off the bench on the culture wars in the political battle to defend the pre-born and the most vulnerable among us. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. I'm Seth Gruber and this is Unaborted. Unaborted. <laughs>